Welcome to the USRA Coalition's Let's Talk About It podcast, where we give you insights into mental health and substance abuse issues. In each episode, we'll have a conversation with a guest who will help create awareness in our communities around these topics. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the latest edition of USRA Coalition's Let's Talk About It. I'm your host, Mike Koth, and please remember that the purpose of Let's Talk About It is to draw issues out of darkness and bring them into the light in the hopes of awareness and prevention. Remember, the USRA Coalition is a partnership between the boroughs of Upper Saddle River and Allendale, New Jersey. Members consist of elected officials, parents, school administration, police, health professionals, clergy, local businesses, and members of local community organizations. The mission of the USRA Coalition is to educate and create awareness in our communities to prevent and reduce substance abuse and other health-related issues. And that brings us to today's guest. For the past 20 years, she has been both a school psychologist and clinical psychologist. She began her career back on Long Island at Rosalind Middle School and recently has her own private practice right here in Hohokus, where she works with in close alliance with schools, psychiatrists, college advisors, learning specialists, and other therapists. She is Dr. Jen Altman. Dr. Altman, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. So listen, let's jump right into it. There's a lot going on these days. And, you know, our elected officials and uh, experts with the CDC and doctors around us, they, they continually tell us that the situation is fluid. Truth be told, the situation is volatile. It's uncertain. It's complex, completely ambiguous. Yes. Tell us, what are you seeing with some of your patients and the people that you see, namely our adolescents in the local community? How are they coming to grips with the pandemic? And what are you seeing? Well, you know, I think that um, at the end of the day, you know, the amount of anxiety um, that accompanies this degree of unpredictability and that fluidity, you know, and that um, that you discussed, I think it all has to do with the degree of control that any one of us feels at any time over our situation. And what this pandemic has done has completely upended any sense of predictability, um, planning, control that we that we kind of, you know, always believe that we have or that we've had in the past. So that planning for things that make us happy, like celebrations and vacations and just even simple times together with grandma and grandpa have kind of had to go out the window. And so what, you know, what results is this sense of, of um, groundlessness and a really difficult time feeling um, okay, just feeling content, feeling balanced, um, which was such a, you know, a tricky thing to have even before this all had happened, but now it's kind of amped it up. Um, and I think that in, you know, the population I work with, um, you're talking about, you know, teenagers and young adults and even, you know, parents who um, are dealing with a tremendous degree of, in, degree to, in addition to the uncertainty, a degree of, of grieving, of loss, because there've been all these life, you know, milestones and moments that we've not been able to have the way that we should, whether it's a graduation, a bar mitzvah, um, weddings, um, you know, big birthday celebrations. Um, and in addition to that, you know, just the, um, 
starting a new school. So like the eighth graders going to ninth grade or the, the seniors graduating, you know, missing out on proms and, you know, school trips and, and all of these things. There's just so much that we haven't been able to have that it's very difficult to not immediately go to the loss and to really be grieving, you know, all those, all those things that, you know, that we haven't been able to, to have. Um, I also would say that because we've all been in such close quarters for such a long time, even, even with some of the restrictions lifting, I would say that all the family together time, um, and I'm looking at this from more like the, you know, more of the, the crisis or the problematic part, because I think there's obviously like, there's so much good that you can find if you look for the silver linings, you can find them, but you know, the, the, the conflict, you know, um, can also be can also be amped up because of, you know, different generations. Like if parents feel children, you know, shouldn't be going and mixing with other kids versus, you know, the teenagers who may feel like, oh, I'm not gonna get sick or if I get sick, it's no big deal. Or, you know, my, my interest in meeting my friends and going to this party um, is much more important than worrying about a silly, you know, this virus thing that's ruling our lives. So I, I think it's, there's, there's so much to it. Yeah, no doubt. So this is all impacting us to varying degrees. And, you know, whether you're an adolescent, teenager, an adult, you know, we all have something to deal with. How do you decipher between where the tipping point is? You know, what are some red flags to look for for someone who's, who's struggling with this? And, you know, there's, there's some struggle to be expected with everything that's gone on. But, you know, when does it get to a point where, you know, there's real reason for concern for someone's mental health or if they're experiencing, you know, some sort of anxiety or depression that's a byproduct? Absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, um, kind of this like new normal that we talk about has already built in a certain new baseline of anxiety and depression. I mean, you know, we all, I think all emotions kind of run on a continuum from, you know, just mild, like whatever disruption or whatever annoyance or worry to the more clinical terms that we talk about with like clinical depression, clinical anxiety. And so we as individuals have a natural place on that continuum. And I think what the pandemic has done has taken our natural place. And I think for many of many people have elevated that so that there is a certain degree of anxiety or worry, maybe not anxiety, because that that implies like, you know, the more clinical, but there's a certain degree of worry that we're all kind of living with. And I think that, you know, um, uh, the best kind of way to know if it's kind of tipping over into an area of, of kind of alarm is if you see any kind of extreme behavior changes. So that if your um, student who maybe, you know, we've all kind of been contained, but maybe student who used to still be very active on social media or meet friends outside or reach out in different ways or be interested in things is no longer, you know, doing that that they've kind of uh, retreated inward more, that um, any kind of school achievement that you've seen happen, that they are not as engaged um, in their work in a way, you know, compared to what they were like kind of before. Um, if you see, uh, you know, any kind of uh, serious difficulties with self-regulation, whether it be sleeping problems, you know, overeating or not eating at all, um, you know, uh, any kind of, um, you know, behavior that just is, is departure from what the norm is for you or for your, you know, for your child. Um, I think those are the, the basic, like the biggest red flags. Um, 
because I think that's something we've all had to do for ourselves and for our families is to try and find ways for, you know, for us all to feel more okay. And so even if the things you're working with, even if the things that used to bring a smile or that used to be a treat, you know, no longer feel like they're working, then maybe it's time to reach out to someone. And, you know, fortunately we have this amazing, you know, kind of uh, spate of resources available, whether it's just internet, because I think there's been so much written on how, you know, what to look for and what anxiety, you know, how to deal with anxiety. We have um, so many, you know, opportunities at the Wellness Center at, you know, Northern Highlands with the new department forming that there's so many opportunities and so many amazing engaged individuals that students can feel very comfortable kind of reaching out to even virtually if they don't feel like going in um, or they're not comfortable in person. I think the teachers and the, the, you know, the administrators, I just feel like everyone is so like dialed into this right now, even the K through eight, you know, with our, our work in the K through eight um, uh, in Upper Saddle River with our parent um, wellness partnership, there's every level people are paying attention. So if you feel like your child needs someone to, to check in with or you're not sure as a parent, you know, and you just don't know what you're seeing, please don't, I would say, don't hesitate to reach out to somebody because there's so many people who just want to help and who uh, can give you some peace of mind if you're feeling really worried. Well, that's great. And that's a great segue into our next topic too. But, you know, sometimes and oftentimes when you see something that's alarming, um, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know where to turn to or who to go to. So it's terrific that you point out those resources. And really, they're all around us. You just need to go in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So a lot of what we've been discussing is reactive. Tell us a little bit more about your proactive work. Because you have done some work with Upper Saddle River Schools and the uh, Parent School Wellness Partnership Committee. And you've been working closely with Dr. Siegel. What have you folks been on to? Well, I think even before the pandemic began, we were working on um, just... <laughs> Coincidentally, you know, I think there's been a push for wellness. It's, you know, it's not new, but I believe that um, the focus on it has definitely, you know, kind of amped up like 300%. But um, we were working on trying to integrate just more of the emotional, social, emotional education, um, awareness, you know, into the day to day. So at the K through eight level, we were looking at how teachers were teaching because social emotional learning is not new, you know, our schools in Upper Saddle River, and I think in Allendale as well are like school blue ribbon schools of character, you know, I've gotten awards. So this isn't like, you know, we're not like reinventing the wheel. But, but what we did do was just really kind of shine a light on this one particular area of, of wellness and see in what ways we can integrate it more. So um, a, we have a committee uh, made of administrators and parents and a bunch of us um, volunteered for all different kinds of things. So we went into some of the morning meetings with the young, you know, the youngest grades, which were like, it's so sweet being so removed from that myself. It was very, very cute to see how teachers are integrating, um, you know, wellness and mindfulness into the morning meetings with children who are in kindergarten. That, that if the, the you know, starting that, uh, to teach them that language when they're so young, it becomes just part of their toolkit in dealing with day-to-day -day pressure. Um, we've also um, created a, a speaker, a series of speakers, this Parent Wellness Academy, which actually kicked off last night with a wonderful speaker who spoke about the gift of failure. And we have lined up for the next, you know, for the year, we have another nine speakers um, who are gonna talk to us on a variety of topics from everything from executive functioning 
to um, wellness, to meditation and mindfulness, to, um, you know, body image and, 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 you know, more integrative health. So we have this great um, kind of opportunity, you know, to, to, to shine a light on that and to offer that to parents. Um, the other thing that we've been involved with, which I think has also been really fun, was more um, kind of the teacher um, continuing education. Um, and we've been invited in to do kind of those kind of uh, workshops with teachers as well, um, whether it be through, you know, the small groups, like last year, um, parents did a parent panel, um, you know, a couple of us who are professionals ran um, workshops specifically about anxiety and, um, you know, executive functioning and the impact in the classroom. So it's really been, and then, and I think the district called in a lot of other experts to, to do, and the whole day was devoted to wellness, which I thought was fantastic because um, it really does impact, you know, every, every level of the academic process. You know, we've been saying for years up at the high school, we've been looking to reach out to our middle schools because by the time the student who's experiencing what you describe and what we've been talking about and they get to high school, sometimes it's too late for that student. Mm. And what we've been saying for years is, you know, plant the seed at the middle schools or in the elementary schools because, you know, no expression, bend the tree while it's young because that's the way it's going to grow. Absolutely. So we want students to grow in a healthy setting in which they feel supported and they have resources they can access and it sounds like you guys are, are really on track to, to continue that. And, you know, we hope to partner with you guys soon. Absolutely. No, and it's just so nice to be in a, a, a space, you know, a, a district with an administration that values this as much as, you know, someone like I do. And I know, you know, we all do, I think, especially now. So for a parent who's out there who has a, a child who's struggling, what is the best advice you could give them based on your experience? Um. So two things. One is um, don't be afraid to ask the questions. Like don't be afraid to talk to your kids about their emotional life. Um, I think part of what uh, happens sometimes when uh, our children are feeling these strong feelings that, that are, could be overwhelming, could just be concerning, that they don't wanna trouble us. I think a lot of the times they just kind of want everything to be normal. So they kind of like try to put it away. They don't wanna inconvenience you because they don't want us to worry. Our parents don't want us to worry. So the other thing I would say, our kids, I mean, <laughs> I said that wrong. Our children don't want us to worry. So if, um, if you do reach out to them and just say, hey, you know, I feel like you're not yourself. Like, I just see, I feel like you're, you know, something's going on, you know, you can talk to me. Part of the reason they don't talk to parents is because they are afraid of how their parents are going to react. And I think because we are very often so keyed into our children's happiness and like, as a parent, it's like, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. <laughs> like we tend to say like, oh, Oh, well, what, what do I, what can I do? How can I fix it? Come on. Oh, no, no, it's okay. You're going to be fine. No, it's so normal to feel that way. You know, like we tend to try and like fix it right away. And what I would say is that you have to get yourself as a parent into a place where you can say, even if inside you're going, oh my God, what's, what am I going to do? How am I going to help him? I hate seeing him this, you know, just to hear, hear them out because more often than not, your kid has been carrying all this around and they haven't been able to talk about it. And, and you're giving them this gift by saying, you know, I'm here and I'll listen to you. Um, sometimes this is best done when you're in a car and you're not like intensely like facing, you know, your, your child. Cause you know, we all know how teenagers really love to be like looked right in the eye and spoken to that way. So, you know, sometimes it's those opportunities that are like, you'll be cooking dinner together or you're in the car going to, you know, run an errand or, you know, you're, you know, 
going for a walk because not many places we can go and just to have that kind of quiet time. And then, you know, if you just lay the groundwork, it will percolate back up. If you give them permission to speak, I think that very often they will come to you. And if not to you, you could even say to them, you know, if you're not comfortable talking to me, I would love you to talk to me. And if you're not, I really, I want to reach out to someone on your behalf. So to offer to them, you know, either a professional in a private kind of practice or um, the wellness, you know, department at the school or a guidance counselor or someone else who, you know, who could be a trusted adult. So it's so critical to establish that safe zone, even with your own kids. So like you said, that, you know, kids respond to how the parents react. You know, if you overreact, they're going to clam up. If you are open and listening and willing to listen, uh, be amazed what kids can say sometimes. And we even see that. Absolutely. And I just think one of the best things you can do as a parent when you don't know what to do for your kid is to say, you know what, I don't, I am so sorry. You know, you empathize and you connect. You know what, I, I understand, I get it. Like I have some of these feelings too, but I don't know all the answers, but you know what, if you want to talk to me and you want to, if we want to get help, we'll find someone who can help. You know, because, you know, we always think we need to be omniscient, like we need to know everything, we need to have all the answers. And that's part of the problem is we're so problem solving oriented, and emotions are not always I mean, sometimes it's sometimes they are, you know, but these kind of feelings are not just like a one and done like, a like, oh, we'll just, you know, whatever, we'll buy this brand, and it'll work better, or we'll, you know. Um, so I, I just think it's really important also for parents to know that the expectation is not that they're going to fix everything, but that they're going to help support their kid along the way to figure out what needs to be done to help them feel better. Yeah. And also give them a sense of ownership over their own struggles. Absolutely. Especially as they get older. All great stuff, Doc. All right. We've come to the time in the program where it's time to play first and goal. You got four downs. We got four questions. When we get to the fourth one, fourth down, you can kick or stick. So it's really up to you, but are you ready to play? <laughs> I guess so. Sure. All right, here okay. we go. Listen, we're between holidays. Tell us what's your favorite Halloween candy? Ah, my favorite. I love the um, hundred grand. Oh my God. Really? I like to, I love them. I love them you when they were called hundred thousand dollar bars. They only get those at Halloween. They're the best. That, only uh, at Halloween. Only second to like a, a Goldberg's peanut chew. I love those things. Oh so, my god! <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. only seen another real classic candy. <laughs> so uh, listen, you are a clinical psychologist, but you're a person too. Uh, what do you do to unwind? What do you do to relax? Well, I'm a huge reader. I'm an avid reader. Love to read fiction. I'm not into like the nonfiction these days. I really enjoy a story that will transport me. I like everything. I like all different kinds of like, I'll read like fun, like trashy kind of novels, but I also love real literature. And, um, you know, I love Reese's book club picks and, you know, I kind of love to, to read. I also love to um, take walks with my dog, which is super fun, especially on these beautiful days and kind of just be outside because what it just you reminds you there's, Oh, she's great. She's a beagle um, cattle dog mix. So she's, oh, wow. she's like a black and white spotted beagle. She's beautiful. <laughs> she's really Missy. <laughs> right. <dog> Missy. <laughs> she's Out great. And Missy out for a stroll. Yes. So. I love doing that too. And, and also, uh, honestly, anytime I can, I can see or talk to my friends and even if it has to be zoom, you know, which I prefer if we could meet in the backyard or something, but that connection is also, I think, 
cannot be underestimated the value of that. Awesome okay. stuff. Good stuff. All right, you're moving the ball pretty well. You might punch it on third down. I don't know. Listen, uh, upcoming holiday, what's your favorite <laughs> Thanksgiving side dish? Ooh, I, um, I actually make a, like a whipped sweet potato. I, I can't even call it a souffle because it's so dense and heavy, but I top it with marshmallows and bake it. And that to me, it's like, bake it's it. like candy and you bake uh, it. Like you, you mix in, it's got like, oh my God, like brown sugar and like sweetened condensed milk. <laughs> it's like nothing healthy at all. It's like candy with dinner, which is such a treat. And then you, you know, you bake it with the marshmallows. So they get nice and brown and it's super, super fun. That's unbelievable. Uh, isn't Delicious. it weird how bacon makes everything better? And that too. Yes. Unreal. Delicious. It's all, all right. sweet. Good. Fourth down, Dr. Altman, kicking or sticking. What are we doing? I'll stick. All, all right. right. Going for it. Let's punch going it in. For it. <laughs> if you could have dinner with anyone, individual, in history of the world, who would it be? Uh, anyone in history? Oh gosh, anyone in history? Like a college essay. Um, <laughs> anyone in history? Um, you know, I, who would I sit down with? Anyone in history? I think... I would choose <laughs> the hard one. <laughs> like if, hey, you said you were going for it. Alive? Could it be alive or dead? Like any, anyone? Yeah, or yeah, just like, one. Okay. Um, I don't know. Part of me, I think, I, for some reason, I thought about Stephen Sondheim. I'm not sure why that totally popped into mind, but I'm a huge theater fan and I've always loved, you know, theater and and performance when I was younger and I think he's just such a genius because it's not just about the music and the lyrics and the it's about the human condition and I just think he'd be such a fascinating dinner companion I think there'd be so much to talk about all right that's fascinating good choice all right, good stuff. well listen doc thanks for playing and thanks for being with us today great information and everyone please be on the lookout for the upper saddle river schools speaker series wellness speaker series you can find information on their school website and i'm sure information will be distributed to parents as those dates go on near so dr altman thank you so much for your time today it's been a great pleasure of ours uh, thank you so much for having me take care all right. and that's all for today that's it for this edition of usra's let's talk about it remember we're drawing these issues out of the darkness and into the light in the name of awareness and prevention. And with everything around us, your phone, social media, TV, all this technology, sometimes it's just best to sit around the table, pull up a chair, let's talk about it. Because remember, if you're not at the table, it could be on the menu. All right, that's it for next this time. We'll see you next time. Have a great one. <laughs>